It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Well, hi there, and welcome to the Speedway Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, we are going to be talking about the third and final installation of our series on estate planning, where there is a will. This is a continuation of our topic from the past two weeks, and uh, my argument is where there's a will, there's more peace, because you should be doing the good job of setting out your wishes so that the people who are left behind can figure out what to do about your estate. If you're wondering why having a will is so important, listen to the very first installation of this show. In last week's show, we talked about tips for things to think about with regard to your estate plan. So what kinds of things should you think about? What kinds of things should you um, have in your will? How do you deal with uh, things like... um, you know, having multiple children and how do you uh, live, leave your property to them? Um, what, how do you stop people from inheriting if you don't even want them to inherit? What kinds of things can you say? Those are all the things that um, you get to explore and think about in, your, uh, in, in the last iteration of this show. Today, we are going to talk about trusts, advanced directives, and powers of attorney. Okay? Why? Because oftentimes, these are things that are uh, attendant to having a will. And they really should be things that you think about any time that you are thinking about having a will, okay? So I'm going to give you some very broad strokes in terms of defining what is this stuff, how is it used, um, and what do you do with it, and where is it in the context of your will, Okay. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is a trust. Now, there are lots and lots of different kinds of trusts, but what I'm going to talk to you about today in particular is a testamentary trust. What is a testamentary trust? Generally, it is a trust that is created by the terms of a will. A trust can be a part of and is often part of the will itself. It can include language like the rest and residue of my estate shall form the corpus or the body of a trust with the executor of my will serving as trustee for my children's health or education or other things. And the trust can terminate when the last child attains a certain age. 
well, you might say, um, my trust is going to terminate when my youngest child turns 18 or when my youngest child turns 25 or when the remaining corpus of my profits have been fully divided amongst all my children and there is no corpus left to divide. In other words, when there's nothing left in my estate to divide up, then I want this trust to terminate. That is a testamentary trust, and that's what we're talking about. People most often have a testamentary trust when they have minor children. Why is that? It's because if you have adult children who are 18 or older and different you know, countries and different states might have a different definition of when somebody reaches adulthood, but if you have children who are under, under uh, the age of majority, then oftentimes parents will establish a trust because those children do not have the legal ability to take your uh, property as their own and much less manage it, right? And so what you want to do is you want to have an adult administer the corpus of your estate for the benefit. So the corpus of your estate might be, let's suppose you have uh, equity in a house. You have cash in bank accounts or other investments. Let's suppose you have a life insurance, proper, uh, life insurance policy that is going to pay out um, uh, at the time of your death. Let's suppose that you have a college fund where you've been generating money or investing money that is supposed to go towards college. Somebody needs to administer all that stuff when your children are under age. That is why you would have a trust, okay? Trusts complicate wills. Now, there are forms that you can find online. I would strongly encourage you to go and visit speedway.com because I have there for you links to some places where you can get additional assistance. You can get, uh, you know, more information about trusts, powers of attorneys, etc., and you can also get uh, websites and links to websites that will help you get forms that are going to be um, correct for your state. My suggestion is always talk to a lawyer anyway just to make sure that it's the stuff that you're using is correct. A will is complicated by a trust because there's now a lot more stuff that you have to think about, like how old should your children be when they get the money? There are some parents who would say, well, of course, when they turn into adults. There are some other parents who might say, well, actually, I think I'm going to wait until this child is 25 before they get the money because I want this child to get through high school, get through school. Sometimes they might say, I want to wait until the child is 30 because I don't want this kid relying solely on this money and turning into some lazy bum just waiting for a payout. I want my child to be independent in their own right, and I want them to have established the habits that will sustain them through the rest of their life because if they're going to just wait for the money, they'll probably also be the kind of kids who would squander all the money and be left with nothing, and then they're struggling. So you don't have to have a certain age. So 
the kids can take the money at the time, the trust can pay out at the time they're 25, and maybe before that, the um, uh, the executor of the estate, um, the administrator of that trust, is basically just paying out for expenses like college tuition, like you know maybe they get an allowance on a monthly basis, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So all of these are things that you then have to start thinking about if you need a trust. Maybe you want to have a trust because you have a child who is. Um, disabled, maybe they are mentally challenged, maybe they have some physical disability that is going to get in the way of their ability to do certain things. Um, so all kinds of reasons why people have trust. Maybe you want to establish a trust so that it can pay out uh, money to fund certain things that you want to fund. Maybe you want uh, a trust to administer uh, a block of money so that forever after there will be payouts that are made to certain charities that you really care about. All of these reasons are potential reasons why somebody might have a trust. Valid reasons, by the way, good reasons, but they just mean you're going to have to give a little more thought to what it is that you want. My suggestion to you is if you need a trust, make sure you have it reviewed by an attorney to make sure you've done it correctly, and don't just rely on a template. Template is a great place to start to jumpstart your thinking and let you put pen to paper for what you want, but it might still not be the be-all and the end-all, and I would suggest as a lawyer, have it looked at by a lawyer. I'm a lawyer, but because I haven't done probate law in a long time, I would still have my, my will reviewed by another lawyer. Now let's talk about powers of attorney. A power of attorney, not to be confused with a will or a trust or any of those things we've talked about, this is a legal document that gives a person called an agent or an attorney in fact the power to act for you. You are called the principal in this context. Now, you can make that right as broad or as narrow as you want. And by the way, you don't have to be dead to have a power of attorney. In fact, powers of attorney stop working once a person dies. They lose uh, effectiveness, which is why it's a completely separate animal than a will or a, or a testamentary trust. Power of attorneys also work. Um, you can designate whomever you want or you can designate multiple people. So you can have one agent who does things for you. You can set an alternate agent in case something happens to that agent or they're unavailable or they're unable to take care of things for you. You can designate an attorney, in fact, just because you're unavailable. For example, um, I live in Chicago. I also live in Minnesota. And so I have, you know, homes in both places because I work in Chicago, but my kids live in Minnesota, so I come back and forth. I could designate a power of attorney to take care of my affairs in Minnesota when I'm not here. I don't have to be disabled. I don't have to be incapacitated. I just have to have a need, okay? I am perfectly able-bodied. I am perfectly capable of coming back to Minneapolis and doing whatever I want to do. I could have a positive journey in Minneapolis to pay bills, to go and deal with, you know, whatever, you know, business I might have, to withdraw money from my bank account. I could do it that way. 
could also have what's called a durable power of attorney. These are magical things that are useful if, for example, you are incapacitated. Let's suppose I get hit by a bus and I can't think for myself and um, there's pretty good chance that I'm going to recover. I just can't pay the bill right now. That is when you would have a durable or a special power of attorney, for example. Um, there are powers of attorney that don't work if you are incapacitated. So I'm in the hospital, I can't think for myself, I can't speak for myself. There are times when, depending on what kind of power of attorney you have, it might not work in that situation. So there are certain powers of attorney like durables, like specials, that are intended specifically to be used when somebody is incapacitated in that way. Okay? Power of attorney, very, very useful tool. And, um, you know, uh, one of the things in the United States, if you remember, during the, the scams and the scandals of the real estate market a couple of years ago, one of the ways that people got into so much trouble was because they would give a power of attorney general authority to do anything and everything that was required and they'd give that to some, you know, shyster mortgage broker or some mortgage company. And the problem is that they would take that power of attorney, and because it was a general power of attorney, they could do whatever the heck they wanted. And next thing you know, sometimes you find that somebody sold your house out from under you, or they bought a house that, that was supposed to be yours, and they turned around and they sold it to somebody else, took the money, deposited it in the bank, signed on your behalf, and that did all kinds of stuff that you did not agree with because they had a general power of attorney. So while this is a powerful tool, I also give you the cautionary tale to say be very, very careful who you grant this power to because they're essentially stepping into your shoes and they might be doing things that you might not agree with. So be careful the, about the powers and the timing that you give a power of attorney. Powers of attorney can be set to expire at a certain period. So, and that period can be designated by an event or time. So you can say, you know, I want this power of attorney to expire on, you know, October the 30th, 2014. You can say, I want this power of attorney to expire when I, um, you know, when this particular event happens, when, you know, the closing of my house occurs. Or I want this power of attorney to expire if certain things happen. You could do that. So all that to say, it's a tool that is going to be potentially very useful to you, but it's also one that can be very dangerous if not used and managed correctly. So be careful. Don't run off and say, whoa, I got this new tool. I'm going to write a power of attorney and give it to my whomever. And then next thing you know, you're like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't mean for you to do all that. And they're like, yeah, but I could. I have the legal authority to you. You wrote it down right here. You said I could. And you're like, that's not what I said. So avoid getting into that kind of trouble with powers of attorney. Health care directives and living wills. A living will is a document that allows a patient to give instructions about their medical treatment when the patient is terminally ill or permanently unconscious. It can also be called an advanced directive. Sometimes um, there are people who will sometimes have very specific ideas about what they want, right? 
Um, there are things called DNRs, do not resuscitate orders. If I flatline, if I get into a car accident and my heart stops beating, do not resuscitate me because I'm figuring, you know, maybe if that happens, then my health is going to be so terrible, it's not going to be worth waking up. I'd just as soon go home to be, the Lord, to be with the Lord. Um, you might be one of those people, in which case you might have a DNR, and if you do, my suggestion is, you know, don't just have it locked up in the cabinet at home where nobody's going to know, um, but maybe it might be a good idea to give it to your doctor um, or carry a card in your wallet that says, hey, I have a DNR because that's probably the closest thing that's going to be there to you at the time that um, something bad happens that would even call into question a DNR. Living well, some people will have specific things that they want to happen if they find themselves in a situation where they're really sick. For example, I want to be placed on this medication but not this medication. I want life-sustaining assistance. I want to be hooked up to a machine, or maybe I don't. Uh, That can all be set out in a living will. Now, sometimes what you find is that you might be thinking, well, I'm not sure. I don't know if I want to do all of that. Uh, So you might not want to have a living will at all. Uh, Alternatively, what you might have instead is a health care directive where you just designate somebody to take care of your affairs. So you might say, well, I want my trusted spouse to make decisions on my behalf because they love me and they're going to be able to make those decisions for me, perhaps. Um, So those are ways that you can designate what you might want to happen in the event that you cannot make those kinds of decisions for yourself. All things to think about, all things to contemplate. And the whole point is, you know, you're not going to be in a position to care at that point, right? If you're sitting in a coma, you know, you've got all kinds of other issues. But um, the reason you have those kinds of things is to make sure that the people you leave behind know what to do. And more importantly, that the people who are exercising those decisions are the people you'd want to have exercise those decisions on your behalf. So that's when it makes sense to do some of this kind of planning. So those are the suggestions that I would have for you today. Visit Speedway.com for ideas and resources that you can resort to to get suggestions, tools, uh, forms, uh, more information that is going to be helpful to you. So those are things that I wanted to make sure you had in your arsenal of information. I would also suggest to you, and I suggested this last session, that all of these things you keep together so that the person who is left behind to try and sort this mess out knows exactly where your stuff is and where to find things. And they're not running around or, worse yet, missing things because they did not know that there was a well. Interestingly enough, when Michael Jackson died, um, his mom didn't realize that he had a well. And so when she first went to probate his estate, she, um, as I've heard from um, from the reports, 
she actually thought that he was intestate, that he had died without a will. And I'm thinking, well, thank goodness he had one because um, actually it probably saved a fair amount of fighting over, you know, who gets what, especially since he had, you know, children that he had fathered with uh, women that he was not married to. And so that probably helped a great deal. Anyway, those are all the things I wanted you to know today about trust, health care directives, and powers of attorney. As I promised, it wasn't going to be specific enough to be legal advice, but hopefully you now know what the difference is, and you can impress all your friends when you tell them they need a power of attorney or they need a, you know, a health care directive because now you know what it is. Um, and and, and health care directives, by the way, go by different names. Sometimes they can be called um, medical, uh, they can be called uh, health care directives, advanced uh, care directives, they can be called medical care directives. So different states, different places call them different things. But um, all the same thing and all tools in your estate planning arsenal that you can use. So that is everything I wanted to tell you about estates today. And uh, so with that, this is Siwe saying thank you so much for joining me on the show today. And uh, make sure you start thinking about your estate plan. And um, as I said, make sure you have a will. Make sure you have a list of all your assets together. And with that, those two things, if you need a trust, include one in your will, a testamentary trust. Uh, think about having also a power of attorney if you need one. And uh, maybe you want a durable power of attorney that kicks in if you become incapacitated and you're still alive and cannot take care of your affairs because the will only kicks in after you die. Power of attorney is what you use before you die. So that's a, if that's a helpful distinction for you, remember that too. And uh, then have all of your assets listed. It's a good exercise for you just to keep track of what you got and where it is. And take the titles, if you've got a a deed to your house, a title to your car, put all of that stuff in the same place because your basket case spouse is going to need all the help that they can get after you've died and given them this awesome responsibility. Okay, so help the people who are left behind and help them do what you want them to do with your stuff by having that will. So until next week. This is Thiwe saying, go in peace and put together that will. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle thespeedwayshow. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.